Welcome to Mash the Gas Podcast. Mash the Gas Podcast. Your weekly breakdown of every NASCAR Cup Series race. Here are your hosts, Kevin Batstone and Jeff Davis. Welcome back, race fans, to Mash the Gas Podcast, your home of everything NASCAR Cup Series. My name is Kevin Basson. Joining me shortly will be Mr. Jeff Davis, and we are here to break down the Am Better Health 400 from the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Jeff, man, who mashed the gas the hardest this week? Well, I'll tell you what, Kevin. First of all, I think it should be called the Atlanta Mayhem 400, but you got to give it up to the number 99 with Trackhouse Racing, Daniel Suarez, getting his second cup career win. He only led nine laps, Kevin, but uh, got the seventh win for Trackhouse. And, uh, you know, with Daniel being in the uh, series for eight years, I think he's kind of been in the hot seat. So he really needed this win. But congratulations to the 99 of Daniel Suarez, our amigo essay. Yeah, that's pretty exciting, man, to get a win early in the year. You know, pretty much lock yourself into the playoffs. You know, that is if we see 16 winners or or less, which I think over the past few years we've seen that's going to be the case. So, Man, honestly, we could give the Mash the Gas Award to Ryan Blaney or Kyle Busch as well. That was close, man. They came off turn four. I had a bunch of people over. Everyone stood up. I mean, it was the excitement was insane coming to the line. No one knew who had won because, you know, Mike Joy called it at 0.000 was the time of the differential. This actually will go down, Jeff, as the third closest finish in NASCAR history. The only thing that beat that was the Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch. Uh, at the line by 0.002 seconds. And that was also tied by Jimmy Johnson and Clint Boyer at Talladega. So top three close finish of all time. Yeah, man, as was called, this was a trifecta, man. We had three at the line with 0.003 seconds of, you know, one thousandth of a second for a finish. And uh, the third closest finish in history. And the fourth is actually uh, Kevin Harvick versus Jeff Gordon with uh, six one thousandths of a second back in March of 2011, man. Yeah, and they kind of paid a nod to that a little bit yesterday for the folks that didn't catch the pre-race. They even showed a little bit during the race. Going back to, you know, after we lost Dale Earnhardt Sr. And they decided to go with Kevin Harvick. That was a big win for RCR. You know, I, th- I was telling the guys yesterday, if Gordon had won that race, I think Earnhardt Nation would have been pissed. You know, it just, RCR needed that win. They needed it to, to move on from Earnhardt onto their new driver. So there was a lot of history at, at the Atlanta Motor Speedway, man. There, there's just a lot of moments that that track has carried. And I'm going to be honest, I think since the reconfiguration, I didn't like it the first two years, Jeff. Now that we got a little age on it, the asphalt's bumpy. I know the drivers are going to say, man, this is it's survival mode out there because it's just mass chaos, as you just alluded to. But from a fan's point of view, that that was tremendous. Dude, it was one exciting race, man. You have to admit, I mean, we saw more cars get wrecked in the first stage than we did all last week, Kevin. And then, you know, towards the end of stage two, we finally got that uh, that second one. But overall, man, there were only like three drivers, I think, that weren't involved with any sort of wreck or spin or whatnot. You know, there were a couple of guys that kind of came unscathed, you know, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Busch, Austin Sender, Ricky Stenthouse, Todd Gilliland. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, man, it's, it's amazing to see how many drivers were not in a wreck compared to what was in a wreck. It was, yeah, it's easier to count who wasn't involved. And of course, we had that wreck on lap two, Jeff. You know, that, <laughs> That's I mean, what I mean, man. And crazy. I'm, I'm sitting there going, this is going to be a long afternoon. And for a 400 miler, not for nothing, it was a pretty long race because of all the cautions that we had. You know, obviously, Atlanta broke some records yesterday, man, for most cars involved in a pileup in one wreck, most lead changes. I mean, that's pretty crazy considering, you know, we used to run 500 milers down there, Jeff, on the old configuration. So I kind of like dialed it back to, you know, 260 laps. 
um, cause it's still made for tremendous racing. There was, you know, obviously fuel strategy was involved, a lot of caution flags. So that kind of, you know, we really didn't see a lot of fuel mileage racing. And I think everybody knew they were just waiting on that next wreck. Yeah. I mean, how crazy is it when you think in Atlanta to see 48 different lead changes, man? I mean, that's just unbelievable. We had 14 different leaders. I mean, just crazy numbers came out of the race yesterday, Kevin. It just totally surprised me, including, you know, the amount of penalties and, you know, not just the cautions and the wrecks, but all the penalties and, you know, the drivers having a hard time with pit road, you know, it was 90 miles an hour uh, under green. And then you get to that 45 mile an hour speed, but under caution, it's 45 and 45. And I saw at least two different cars make a mistake when it was still green and they started to drop down to 45 and uh, one of them caused a wreck. You know, and that's been a little bit of a hot topic today, and you kind of beat me to it uh, to get into that a bit. Uh, you know, I'm on the fence about this whole thing, Jeff. I actually was having a little bit of a back and forth on social media here before we got on the air about if NASCAR should have thrown the caution there. Um, I, you know, here's the deal. For me personally, I like the no-call caution, but if we're going to look at NASCAR being consistent, you know, why would they throw the yellow for the nine spinning then? You know, the nine really he wasn't in the way. You know, I know he was on the racing surface, but there was just a little bit of inconsistencies there. What were your thoughts on if NASCAR should have thrown the caution there? Yeah, I agree with you, man. If if you, you can't call a caution on, on one spin um, right there and then not on somebody else. I mean, that almost feels like, you know, okay, someone's getting a little bit of favoritism here. Um, but yeah, they either should either not call either one of the cautions or call them both. You know, I agree. And I remember when NASCAR used to, quote unquote, as I used to call it, throw fake debris cautions. We, you know, back in the you know 2010 era, 2000s, we would see a random caution come out and they go, oh, it's for debris. And then they would never show the debris. So it's like we've seen cautions for less. We got cars wrecking at the entrance to pit road. To me, that seems like worthy of a caution flag. 100%. And, you know, they even set up in the booth with Harvick and Boyd. They said, man, if the yellow comes out now, it's really going to screw things up for these guys on their strategy. So, you know, I don't know what was going on with that call there. But you know, when you got guys spinning at the entrance of pit road, that to me seems caution worthy. Yeah, especially when you're doing 90 miles an hour, you know, under green for the, for the first, you know, lap, you know, coming into uh, pit road. I mean, that's a long ass pit road coming in from turn three all the way around. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, if that had happened with two to go, Jeff, we would see NASCAR overtime. I think they would have thrown the yellow, uh, you know, 100%. So, I don't know. It's two two weeks in a row now with Daytona and now this where there's been that controversial, you know, last week it goes, you know, should they have gone to overtime, you know, because he took the, the white flag and then the caution came out immediately. I know Dale Earnhardt Jr. was pretty uh, aggressive on that on the Dale Jr. download about how we let somebody pushing a button determine the winner of the Daytona 500. So, I would just like to see more consistency throughout. You know, let's just draw a line in the sand of what's a caution, what isn't, and let's stick to it. Yeah, and the other thing I heard Dale bitching about this afternoon actually was um, he was he was bitching about Fox's coverage of the sport. He's like, you know, he's the cameras are too close in on the cars. They didn't show a lot of the racing that we really should have seen. You know, they should, should have panned out a little bit more and saw more of the cars because it was a very, very intense race. And there was a lot of drama going on that we couldn't even see on TV. Calling them out for that, and we're going to call that again. Pit stall times, Fox. I'm going to have to just ride them and tell them what the fuck, man. Get it back on there. I didn't see it once yesterday. I, I don't understand what was going on. I, know I made a comment, uh, you know, for my NASCAR party yesterday. I said, man, I'm going to have to keep calling out Fox every Monday night. It's just, 
it makes no sense to me. You know, the first the first round of pit stops, they did a crank it up, which is cool. I like the crank it up, you know, because I, I grab my controller and I, I crank it up, make it nice and loud. We're hearing the pit stops, you know, hear them spinning rubber as they're coming out of pit road. It's cool. You know, Fox does some things that I really like, but I kind of agree with Junior a little bit. You know, all we see is them panning to the entrance of turn one, the back straightaway, and it's all flybys. They're all flyby cameras. And you get the occasional onboard, you know, this and that. But I, I think that they could do a better job from a, you know, sitting at home's perspective. You know, but that, that's a tough call because they're trying to capture all the cool angles. They are, man. And I'll tell you what, I, when I actually saw the, the uh, crank it up yesterday, I was actually pissed. I was like, dude, crank it up as you're coming into pit road man no dude i want to hear it cranked up when they're running you know 180 190 miles an hour right up against that fence going you know hearing the crank it up as they're just slowing down and getting into pit pit lane i don't know man (laughs) that one i actually laughed at kevin yeah no you bring up a good point there you know the crank it up for pit road i mean it's it's one thing to do it you know, once a season or whatever, but for the most part, the crank it up is designed so you can really feel and hear the sound of the engines and just, you know, how intense it is. But, you know, overall, from a production standpoint, I think, you know, with the analysts they have from, you know, Larry McReynolds, Jamie McMurray, Shannon Spake, I think all those guys as a team do pretty well, but uh, I don't know who's running the deal with the no pit times, Jeff, but we're going to call them out every single Monday night until they start putting them up. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, and hearing that crank it up on pit lane, man, I was like, we might as well just like crank it up like under caution, man, and hear the cars just kind of go by, go by, go by. Anyway, man, not enough harping on that. But, you know, I do think Fox and their analysts, um, they do a damn good job. I love listening to them. Jamie Little, you know, we met her, her here down here in Texas a couple of years ago. And, man, she's just one of the coolest gals out there, dude. I love seeing her out there. She does a damn good job. Shan Spake did a great job up in the booths. Well, not in the booths, but back in the studio in Charlotte. But, um, yeah, man, I, I do give props to uh, Fox as far as their commentators and everyone that covers the sport. Yeah, and Jamie Little does a good job over on the Truck Series side too, Jeff. I was fortunate enough to catch the Craftsman Truck Series race, and Kyle Busch, of course, won his 65th Truck Series race, Jeff. It's just unbelievable how many wins he's had in that series. Came up a little short on the sweep, I, I really thought. And I had Kyle Busch in my fantasy lineup, um, but he came up, you know, just – I think Kyle ended up being point zero zero seven seconds back as i'm looking at it and blaney was 0.003 so i mean just incredible man i really thought blaney had it i did man i was like oh blaney got it man he got the win good for him and then uh you know when i saw the replay i'm like oh shit dude the 99 actually did get him and they called it on the 99 i was like you know good for daniel suarez man i mean again this is his eighth year in the cup series he really really needed this win and it's cool for him now to be going like like you said you know We'll most likely have them in the playoffs, you know, 16 different drivers. But now they can focus on getting stage points. Now he can focus and their team can focus on just, you know, getting ahead on the points and not having to worry so much about the wins as much as they do about the point standings and getting further that way because they're in right now, Kevin. Yeah, I agree. Good start for Trackhouse and for Suarez. I mean, let's not forget, he has one at Sonoma. He won on the road course, and now he's won on an oval. Of course, it's going to be an, another asterisk next to it that it's a super speedway oval. Uh, but the fact remains, he, he's a winner in the NASCAR Cup Series. And let's not forget, Jeff, that's his second trophy of the year. He won the NASCAR Mexico Series race at the Clash at the Coliseum uh, a few weeks back. So, you know, he's found his way to victory lane twice already. Obviously, won in the Cups a little bit bigger. But uh, he's got some momentum right now, and those guys need to ride it into Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, 
Trackhouse, a newer team, obviously a relatively new team for NASCAR, but uh, being able to get their seventh career cup win is just really cool to see. Justin Marks, obviously, after the race, is totally stoked. You know, and I don't blame him. I'm sure Pitbull is back at home wherever watching the race and just, you know, having a party, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, that team, I think we've talked about them a lot over the past few years. They just keep getting better and better. And I think they're going to remain in the conversation. I mean, his teammate Ross Chastain, of course, bringing it home P7. So that's, you know, two cars in the top 10 at a super speedway race. Man, you're, you feel pretty good about that, whether there's damage on there or not. But uh, going back to that Chase Elliott spin, uh, we uh, a, a phrase got brought up again that we haven't heard in a while, and that was being Chastained. What was your thoughts on that? Man, I don't know. It, it, it's tough, man, because this race, I mean, dude, how many times have we ever seen four wide multiple times in the turn at Atlanta? Never. And that happened left and right. And I'm not saying that was the situation with Chastain there, but I think it's just, again, a product of this type of racing. I mean, everyone's just going for it man you know it's a super speedway even though it's 1.54 miles so we call it a mile and a half but you know with that banking these guys don't have much time like talladega and daytona when we go super speedway racing you've got time on that back stretch to where you can kind of look in the mirror you can look forward you can check up um you know you just can't do that atlanta you just really can't you really have to rely on your spotter an awful lot you know i Chastain, yeah, it was a shitty situation, but all in all, man, after all the cautions we saw yesterday and all the carnage we saw yesterday, hell, man, it didn't really make much difference to me. Well, yeah, I think you hit on a couple of good points there. And as you know, to put it into perspective for, you know, race fans, the big difference in Daytona and Talladega, we're talking, you know, a mile less to make decisions, you know, the spotters have to act quick because we're racing pack race and four wide. Anything can go wrong in a split second. Let's, you know, take a look at the, the, the wreck on lap two. You know, this really started, you know, at first watching the replay, I thought somebody was pushing too hard through the quad oval. We've seen guys wreck. And then we see at the 38 of Todd Gillen, you know, he kind of checked up a little bit so he could checked get up. He, yeah, so he could get a run. But what happened was everyone behind him was standing in the throttle and they all plowed into each other. And we had, you know, cars wrecked pretty early in the race. So, you know, it's just a quick mistake like that costs, you know, big time. As Joey Logano said at Daytona, it's good until it sucks. And that's just super speedway racing. You know, whether it's a mile and a half or two and a half mile, it doesn't matter. You're going to get that back racing. Yeah, especially in Atlanta like this, man. I mean, the, the accordion effect is just amazing because, you know, as we know, even even it's all super speedway racing, it's hard to see what's going on in front of you, man. You can see one car ahead of you. That's about it, man. You don't know what's going on in the second and the third car ahead of you. One guy checks up and all of a sudden you got everyone running into each other. I mean, seriously, dude, lap two and there were like 16 cars involved in the accident. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy, dude. Yeah, and I do think it was just a little bit of a rookie mistake by Todd Gillen because I, I want to give credit to that 38 team, man. They they were fast at Daytona. They were fast again. Um, you know, here at Atlanta, the front row motorsports, that they got something at the super speedways. Now, we'll see if that's going to carry over to the road courses, the mile and a half, you know, stuff like that as the season goes on. But the 34 and 38, man, I mean, that's a pretty solid team right now. Hey, I'll tell you what, man. If you look at the overall race itself, the four drivers led the most laps of any team. Like you just brought up Todd Gillen, man. He, he led 58 laps. Um, Austin Sendrick led 32 laps. Freaking McDowell led 27 laps. Let's see. Blaney led 31. Joey Logano. Let's talk about Joey Logano for a minute. He led 27 laps. Started at the very rear of the field for 
a penalty that I have never seen in my life, Kevin. What did yep. you think about that with that glove with a little webbing? So, um, you know, I mean, yeah. So I think what it what it came down to is an it was an SFI violation is what ultimately it meant. And I think Denny Hamlin did a good job breaking this down on actions detrimental earlier today. Right. It, it wasn't so much. I mean, we all knew it was for aerodynamic purposes, so it's not a safety deal. But that's the way that they had to code it. So the glove itself that Joey was wearing was was okay. It was the webbing between the fingers um, is where the right. where the issue was because you know we see those guys going down the back straightaway. They'll put their hand out the window to deflect the air. I mean, that's that's how razor close you know a webbed glove can buy you you know a hundredth of a second maybe. Two hundredths hey, of a second. You know, you know what that reminds me of, Kevin. I got to tell you, man, that almost kind of reminds me of like some sort of Chad Canals move, man. Whatever teeniest little aspect you can get, any teeniest little thing, and this came down literally to a little bit of webbing on a glove between his thumb and his index finger, and that caused the violation. And I actually felt pretty damn bad for Joey Logano, and I actually had him in my lineup. And then I saw him going to the rear of the field, and I was like, ah, shit, man, I'm going to pull him out. And then yep, I saw I did him the same thing. One, and then on lap 100, man, where is he? First place. I'm yep. going, shit, I wish I would have left Logano in. You know, yep. and then he gets, wrecked, he gets wrecked out at the very end of the race pretty much. But um, Logano was just mad fast, dude. I mean, yep. Penske bought some brought some really fast race cars. Austin Sendrick, man, this is one of he needed this finish. He got a P4 this Sunday in Atlanta. It's his second top five at Atlanta with this new configuration. Um, and I thought it was a great finish for him. And he did a damn good job during the race, Kevin. Yeah, I think Team Penske, I mean, they've shown that they are fast on super speedways. They've, they've definitely backed it up. But, you know, the 22, uh, obviously having to start, you know, that, that caution on lap two is what really helped him out there, Jeff, because you think because he had, to, he had to start the race and then do a pass-through penalty. So he was the first car lap down. Um, so it yeah. ended up working out okay for him, you know, to get back on the lead lap. That's all he needed to do is get back on the lead lap and become a contender. We saw guys come from the back to the front of Daytona just as we did in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with Austin Sendrick, man, this is like his 73rd race since his only cup win in the series, man. Uh, the last one, the only one he's had was the 2022 Daytona 500. So it, it would have been cool to see him get up there because he he did lead a lot of laps. He, he had a mad fast car. He matched the gas pretty damn hard this year or this race, Kevin. And uh, I felt kind of bad for the guy, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, it happens. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of the way it goes. Of course, we you know saw last week he was Cindric was talking about hey my my non friend over there referring to Corey LaJoy ended up causing <laughs> that wreck at the end, which ultimately gave Byron the win. So you know you're going to make some some frenemies out there if you will. You know you're not there's really no friends on the racetrack. You know when you're out there, man, especially in a super speedway situation, unless you're trying to get a push from someone, you don't have any friends out there. No, man. In a race like this, again, just like last week, it's like you know you've got your teammates. But this is the type of race where you can't rely on teammates as much as you actually have to rely on your manufacturer friends. Mm -hmm. Who else is in a Chevy? Who else is in a Toyota? Who else is in a Ford? Who can push me? Who can't? And that's what you that's what you saw this week. And I think you saw it last week, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, you know, and for guys that did not have a good week at Daytona and Atlanta, 
you know, they're not to say that they're already, you know, need to be worried about points, but you, you can't get behind early in the season, Jeff. And that's, what's tough about starting the season with back-to-back super speedway races, you know, where you have these wild card scenarios that the big one can take you out at any moment. It has nothing to do with you or the team. So I think a lot of guys are glad that we are now headed to Las Vegas, you know, to a mile and a half that they have a little bit more control over what's happening on the racetrack. Yeah. And then we go, you know, after that, we go to Phoenix on one mile and you have a lot more control on those two types of tracks. Cause I want to go back to what you just said. These guys that have started re- really slow on these last two races and have had shitty races. I mean, Josh Berry, even though he's new into the number four car for Stuart Haas, Haas is in a hot seat no matter what. Cause I mean, obviously they didn't win a race last year, but uh, Josh Berry finished 25th in Daytona and 29th in Atlanta. Then you look at Austin Dillon, he finished 37th in Daytona and 22nd in Atlanta. And even though Joey Logano is just mad freaking fast right now, he he finished 32nd in Daytona and 28th in Atlanta. And I'll tell you, he's really got some work to do. Old BK, big bad Brad, dude, in that number six car, man, finishing 33rd in Daytona and 33rd in Atlanta. And this was his 100th race without a win, Kevin. Yeah, that's a tough deal for that six car, man, because I know RFK. We saw Chris Buescher, of course, had that deal going into turn three and four where he just kind of wrecked on his own. Just car just got away from him, you know, got loose. I don't know what happened there. If it was arrow loose or if the car just stepped out, I think it was just, you know, that fine line that that Kevin Harvick was talking about, you know, because got it once again, Nick, give, a, give a nod to Harvick. He just got out of this race car a few months ago. So he's going to have the most analytical experience to bring to the viewers. And he, he's flat out saying, he's like, man, this is a rough, it is rough out there. These cars are hard to drive. You know, it just, it, TV doesn't do its justice, folks, of how difficult it is. So, you know, look, a guy like Brad Keselowski, we know he's capable of winning races. He's done it in the past. He can do it again. And the, the, what sucks for the, that that team, Jeff, is he was fast at Daytona. He was fast at Atlanta. He's a terrific super speedway racer, you know, but just got caught up in the nonsense both weeks. Yeah, and his last race was actually, or his last win was at a super speedway in Talladega in April of 2021. And I know a lot of this has part to do with starting up with a new team. I get it. But to go 100 races without a win for uh, Brad, man, he, he's he got to be feeling some heat, man. I got to tell you that as if I was Brad, I'd be, uh, you know, I'd be kind of pissed, man. I mean, he, he said he's a great, he's a great driver. We all know that. Um, and he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of years left in him and stuff, but, uh, he really needs to step it up this year and actually come forth and uh, try to at least get a couple wins this year, Kevin. And I do think it's going to happen. I, I really do. I think that six car is capable of winning races. We saw it last year with, with Chris Busher. So, you know, I expect RFK to, to remain in the conversation and, you know, now we can really start to gauge where we're at Jeff, because for the next seven weeks, until we get back to Talladega on uh, April 21st, you know, we're going to have quite a, a variety of tracks. As we know, Las Vegas being our first mile and a half, not super speedway style, Phoenix Raceway, Bristol's back on concrete. Then we go to our first road course of the year at the Circuit of the Americas. Then we go to Richmond, which is back as a night race, which I'm excited about. Short track racing at Martinsville, Texas Motor Speedway, which will be at April 14th. And then they go back to the super speedway. So we'll have a lot more data on where the field is at as a whole by the time we get to Talladega. Yeah, absolutely. With the different configurations and the different uh, tracks themselves, you know, we got we got short track racing, we got we got one miles, we got mile and a half, so we got a lot of uh, different styles of tracks now between the next super speedway. And um, hell, I think it was uh, Kyle Busch was saying, I, I wasn't it Kyle Busch yesterday saying, I wish we didn't have another speed super speedway race the rest of the year. He, he's he's like tired of it. He was sick of it. 
I, I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, I mean, unless unless you're sitting in victory lane, I think everybody else feels that way. It's just it's so out of your hands. You just don't know what's going to happen. You, you you know, you can't control the chaos. And, you know, that's just a result of that style of racing. So, you know, as exciting as it was to start the, the 2024, you know, cup points racing with, you know, back-to-back super speedways, I think it was good for the viewers, but you know, now we can kind of get back to the races that are going to count a little bit more towards locking yourself into the playoffs, the type of races we're going to see in the playoffs. Um, you, you know, obviously we go to Talladega again in the playoffs, but you know, it's, it's, it's time for the meat and potatoes and Las Vegas, you know, that Vegas has had a lot of storylines as for, you know, a simple trioval, very similar to Kansas speedway, you know, as far as the, the, the size and the banking and all that, um, you know, Vegas has definitely had a lot of history, Jeff, there's some good racing out there. Yeah. The Vegas has got a great track and obviously I love Kansas city. I know you do too. Hell, that's where we actually met was in damn Kansas city uh, many, many years ago, a long time ago. That was awesome. Um, but uh, back to kind of what you were saying about the, uh, the playoffs, the very first race of the playoffs is going to be Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, let's, I mean, there you go. So it's, it's going to be chaos. Once again, you know, you have the round of 16 with Atlanta. And then if you, you know, if you're fortunate enough to punch your way to the round of 12, then you got Talladega. So there is two super speedways that you have to contend with out of the 10 races. I'd rather see them a little bit earlier in the playoffs than later in the playoffs, but still, I mean, as we saw last year, Man, one bad race, you know, you wreck at Atlanta in the, in the round of 16, and then you're on to a, you know, Watkins Glen, a road course, and then Bristol short track. That's a pretty tough round, man. That's a very tough round, man. And I, I honestly don't think, I, uh, man, it just pisses me off sometimes because I'm like, okay, super speedway racing. We know it's a roll of the dice majority of the time. We see so many drivers get their first win ever, and sometimes their only win <laughs> at a super speedway. And that's because, the style of racing that it is i don't like seeing two super speedways in the playoffs it's like if you want to you know gamble go go to the roulette table and bet on red or black um it's just tough man i i think maybe you know hey if you wanted to do a super speedway in the playoffs let's do one race for the very first race the very first round and that's it i don't want to see two of them actually in the playoffs man it's just too many yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. Um, you know, obviously Talladega has been, you know, a two two race per year track for for a long time. Daytona, the same thing. But now that we have Atlanta in there, you know, that's six races a year, Jeff, that we're dealing with this style of racing. Whereas before, teams only had to prepare for, you know, two Daytonas and two Talladegas every year. So, you know, that that's a potentially a lot of torn up race cars, you know, injuries. We've seen that come. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. talked about it, man, after his concussion years ago. You know, and that's why you only see Junior running short tracks like Bristol and Richmond when he does run now. You won't see Junior run another super speedway. No, you won't. And um, I'll tell you what, I'm actually kind of excited to see. Uh, next week, Eric Amarola will be uh, running the Xfinity Series for Stuart Haas. Man, we haven't seen him in a car this obviously this year since he's retired. But uh, it will be cool to see him back on the track, man. I've always liked him. He's a good guy. You know, didn't get too many wins out of his career and shit, but uh, he's just a cool guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Eric Amarola, man, he's, you know, he's won on a super speedway, so he knows what that's all about. But it'll be cool to see him out there in Vegas. Uh, we got another full weekend coming up of racing. So, you know, again, Jeff, it's just tough to say at this point, you know, William Byron and uh, Daniel Suarez being our only two winners of 2024 points racing. 
if there's really an early favorite, I mean, I do think Hendrick Motorsports has to be favored. You know, I talked about it with the difference of the manufacturers from Ford and Toyota going to new bodies. Chevy's got a little bit more experience with it. And we've just seen the dominance from HMS. And I think we're going to see it again this weekend in Vegas. Yeah, I think we will too, man. And and I'm going to call a really close second on Penske, man, because I think Penske for the last two weeks has had some of the fastest and strongest cars, but we had Chevy's both wind up in victory lane, both last, last week and this week. Um, I think next week's going to be a different story. Well, maybe not a different story because I do think Hendrick Motorsports has a damn good chance in Vegas and at uh, home or in freaking uh, Phoenix, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, I mean, they've won their... Uh, multiple times when we look at you know going back last year jeff to las vegas so the pennzoil 400 which is the race we're getting ready to come up on william byron won that race uh, a year ago for the spring race kyle larson hendrick motorsports so one two alex bowman one two three i mean so you know that right there shows the hms's power at vegas a year ago fast forward to the fall race kyle larson is the race winner um followed by christopher bell kyle bush Brad Keselowski and Ross Chastain. So HMS has won the last two races that we've been at. So I, I, for me, I got to put them in as the favorites this weekend. But to your point, Team Penske, who's going for a three-peat on the championship, and it's a you know Shell Pennzoil 22 of Joey Logano, they would love to put that car in victory lane. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I think they were both mad fast as far as uh, the 22, the 12, and obviously the two of Cendric. All three of them were, were just really had a, you know, there were ups and downs through all day yesterday, man. It's really tough to say. I mean, you know, Austin Sendrick, he did win stage two. I mean, Penske won stage one and two. So, you know, or actually, no, I'm sorry, not Penske on stage one, because that was Michael McDowell. But um, I think Penske was just really, really strong. And seeing Logano being able to come back from that penalty from, you know, the glove, which, again, I've never seen before, but I get it. I understand the penalty. Um, hell, I think he could have won the race yesterday if he uh, wouldn't have got caught up in the wreck, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. 22 has the speed, probably has the speed. You know, we'll see what this mile and a half non super speedway looks like because you got to think these guys, you know, in 2024 here haven't had a chance to, you know, really let the ponies ride. I mean, you can't count the clash. The super speedway package is different, Jeff. We're going from a seven inch spoiler to a four inch spoiler. So the downforce is going to be a little bit different um, going into it, two very different mile and a half. You know, very, you can't compare Atlanta anymore to Vegas. We used to put it in that category as the cookie cutter. It's not. So now we really get our first crack of the year at what these guys are going to be dealing with on the intermediates. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, Atlanta is a completely different, I mean, even though it's the same length with all the, the, the higher banking that we've got in there, it's just, it's just different now, man. We can't compare it to any other mile and a half on the entire track or on the entire circuit. It's just not going to happen, Kevin. No, no, it's not. And then, of course, we go to Phoenix, you know, the week after, which, well, that's where the championship is decided for the final four. So that that carries a lot of weight as well. And, you know, again, I think we saw last year a lot of early Hendrick dominance and, and we had HMS as the favorites. A lot of racing to come in. And I think there's gonna be a lot of guys in the conversation this year, like Front Row Motorsports, obviously Track House. Um, you know, we'll see what Spire can do, you know, with Carson Hosovar over there now, you know, Corey LaJoy. Let's see if those guys can find victory lane outside of road course and super speedway style racing. Yeah. Hey, and speaking of Carson Hosovar, man, did you see him take that hit? And then three of his four tires actually lifted off the ground when he got smacked in the side uh, this weekend, Kevin. That was a hard hit. That was a hard hit going down the back straightaway there, man. That's, uh, you know, you get plowed in on the passenger side of your ride. What a lick. Go, yeah, you go three, you know, three wheels off the ground. That's a hard hit, man. 
Yeah, man. I, I saw that and I was like, damn dude so yeah great race but like i said the fans loved it drivers probably hated it (laughs) i think so but but yeah man i am looking forward to to vegas and phoenix and i actually do think uh hendrick's got a lot of experience there obviously and like you just mentioned all the wins that they've had in in vegas when what was it three years ago when we were in phoenix for the championship and kyle larson took it down uh just what a great time kevin yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to take William Byron uh, for the winner this weekend in Vegas. And if not, it, it's going to be one, two. I'm calling it, Jeff. Larson, Byron, one, two, any order. So, you know, in, on horse racing, we'd call that a quinilla bet, right? You just have to call the, the correct horses one, two in any order. Um, but I think Byron gets it done. And if not, it's going to be it's going to be Larson. I think it's going to be one of the two. I really do, man. And uh, if we want to go with the trifecta, man, that's going to be a tough one. I don't know who to throw in for number three on that one, Kevin. What do you think, man? I'm going to go Ryan Blaney. I'm putting Ryan Blaney in there. You know, as you just said, they're right behind HMS, if not better. Um, I, You know, Blaney, he's, look, our defending champion. He has to be in the conversation. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Blaney, he is one of my favorite drivers. I mean, I've always been a Hendrick Motorsports fan. I've lo- I still love all other drivers. Kyle Larson's got one of the best attitudes out there. Uh, but Ryan Blaney, I just love his personality. He's a great guy, man, on, off the track. He's just a kick-ass guy, man. I met him here in Texas here, bah, shit, about eight years ago and stuff. He was cool enough to sit down, take a few pictures, do a few autographs with us, and uh, talk to us for a little bit. Um, while they're doing practicing, uh, you know, during right before the Xfinity race, you know, the day before the cup race. Um, and it always just struck me a little bit because, you know, some of these drivers are kind of arrogant. Yeah. They'll, they'll give you a signature, just walk on. But Blaney was actually just cool enough to sit back and chat and shoot the shit a little bit. Uh, just real, a personable guy, man. So, you know, outside of my Hendrick boys, Ryan Blaney's my man. Yeah, I've always liked Blaney. You know, I watched his dad, uh, Dave Blaney, race for years. He kind of reminds me of Carl Edwards a little bit. You know, just just that easygoing guy that, you know, wouldn't mind stopping and having a beer, having a chat with you. Uh, I would still encourage folks, if you haven't watched the NASCAR Full Speed on Netflix to do so, kind of dives into Denny Hamlin and Byron and Blaney. A lot of what goes on, you know, off the racetrack in the day-to-day and how these guys prepare, it's it's really well done, Jeff. I know you haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I, I do highly recommend it if anyone hasn't viewed it. Yeah, I'm going to have to go on Netflix and just like, you know, order it for like a week or whatever their, their trial period is and then cut that shit off just so I can watch that. But I did hear um, someone talking about Kyle Busch being a little butthurt because I guess he wasn't in it at all. Yeah, there there was something about that. I don't know if it was <laughs> contractual agreement, sponsorship. I, I don't know exactly what the discrepancy was with all that, but uh, still great. And I think they're going to do it again for this playoffs coming up, Jeff, and, and then it will air January of 25 to cover uh, this upcoming playoffs. But uh Yeah, I mean, we'll turn the book on Atlanta. The only gripe I'm going to say, you know, about Atlanta that I'd like to see get tightened up just a bit, Jeff, and I think you might agree, is the pit road situation. And I know it's tough because you can't come off turn four at full speed and dive into, you know, the pits like you can at Talladega and Daytona. You don't have the the length. So I understand why they got to enter turn three. But the 90, the 45, the speeding penalties, the no no caution at entrance pit road, I think we got to clean that up before we go there for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's got to be something done about it. And like I said, I know it's really tough for the drivers and the spotters because, like I said, the difference between – and again, I saw a couple drivers forget. Oh, shit, we're under green. I'm supposed to be doing 90 miles an hour right now. Instead, I'm doing 45, and then I just cause an accident uh, or a spin-out. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it needs to get cleaned up. They need to do something about it. Um, it it's tough when you're going that fast and your spotter's doing his damn best to take care of it. 
but um, you know, yeah, that's just a difficult situation. And I think it'll definitely need to uh, be something needs to be done about it, Kevin. Yep. I would agree. But outside of that, the racing was tremendous. Um, hopefully we get that clean up before we go out there. Great again. race. It was fun, man. Like I said, Hey, for the fans, it was awesome, man. I, yeah. I had a great time watching him. I was like, Holy shit, man. Look at this again, man. Look at this more. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, it was a phenomenal race uh, on the driver's side of it and the owner's side. I'll bet it was a very expensive race, Kevin. Yeah. A lot, a lot of race cars ended up on the hook as we used to call it. So, <laughs> you know, that's not how you want to, that's not how you want to go in this sport. So on to Las Vegas where these drivers have a little bit more control. Um, couple, you know, quick, we obviously talked Hendrick, we talked Penske. I'm going to put Kyle Busch up there. It's his home track. He's got some momentum. He's hungry to win. Uh, Denny Hamlin, I'm going to put up there as well to represent the Gibbs side on for the Toyotas. Uh, this is, you know, next Monday, Jeff, when we're back here to break down the Pennzoil 400, I think we're going to have a better grip on who has speed, who doesn't, who needs improvement. And I think this will be a good opportunity for Stuart Haas Racing to go, okay, you know, we've got, we've, we figured some things out. Yep. I'd agree with you there hundred percent, Kevin, looking forward to next week. Absolutely. So let's go to Vegas. Let's roll the dice. Looking forward to it, man. We'll be back here next Monday to break down all the action from the Pennzoil 400 at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Mash the Gas across the board. Send us an email, Mash the Gas podcast at gmail.com. If you want to interact with us, send us a segment idea. Just give us a hard time. And Jeff, what do the people need to do until next Monday? Get on that throttle and mash the gas.